that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Hey, welcome to another episode of Buckeye Talk. I am your host, Stephen Means, and I am the only host here today. As you all know, Nathan is on baby duty right now, and Doug is off doing math or whatever he's doing. I don't know. Doug's always doing something weird. We're doing a special episode today, a recruiting episode with obviously Ohio State and Notre Dame playing each other first. They're not just you know preparing to play each other on the field. They've actually been getting in each other's way a lot during this recruiting cycle for 2023. So I am joined by one of our former stringers who is now working for the Notre Dame rival site inside Indie Sports, and that is Kyle Kelly. Say hello to the people, Kyle. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Steven, thanks for uh, having me on. This is uh, pretty cool. I was an avid listener back in the day, or not too long ago, probably as early as uh, two months ago. So really excited about this opportunity and uh, to talk a little Notre Dame-Ohio State recruiting. This is your first time on Buckeye Talk, isn't it? It is, actually, yep. Okay, cool. We're not going to make this weird, Buckeye Talk. (laughs) So let's just kind of get into it. Let's get to some of the facts first. Obviously, Notre Dame, as we're recording this, has the number one recruiting class in the country, which I'm not sure anybody would have predicted coming into May that Notre Dame would be in this position. Marcus Freeman taking over as the head coach there for Brian Kelly has made some hayway there. Just from your perspective as a person who is now covering that, how is that... I guess a simple way to put it is how is how are things going? Is the coaching staff happy with where they are heading into May as we get closer to when we start seeing more official visits? How, what is the vibe around Notre Dame and how this 2023 class is being built? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the vibes are absolutely outstanding. Uh, you know, they they pretty much had a, a decent class going, you know, into the new year uh, with mm-hmm. Brian Kelly. I think they had uh about five commitments, um, including a five-star Keon Keeley, who started off the class. And he was kind of – he's been the high-profile guy in this class. I know that's uh, someone Ohio State's targeting. But, I mean, the, the vibes are just unbelievable around Marcus Freeman. Uh, this is a guy that in his uh, first press conference, you know, his introductory press conference, you know, he said that, you know, he's going to be the number one primary recruiter for every single guy. And that seems to be the case. There's uh, a lot of kids I talk to that say they talk to Marcus Freeman a, a significant amount uh, compared to any other head coaches around the country. And I, this is actually something that, you know, when I was covering Ohio State um, was something frequent with kids as well that they said, you know, they were speaking to Ryan Day pretty frequently. So, um, you know, Marcus Freeman has taken a great rep- uh, approach in recruiting and going back to that. Uh, the introductory press conference uh, immediately after that press conference, you know, he left in the same suit and tie and he was on the West coast in Wisconsin uh, or he went from Wisconsin then to the West coast. That is, it was recruiting guys that same day during the contact period. So uh, he's really taken it to heart. Um, you know, I, I think that he, Marcus Freeman's done an outstanding job being able to retain guys um, even, you know, Brian Kelly left before that uh, 2022 class was able to sign mm-hmm. and uh, Notre Dame only lost, you know, three guys. Uh, you know, one guy was a safety from Florida was kind of considering uh, other options anyway. But other than that, I mean, the two guys they lost were great wide receivers and that's been a big problem for Notre Dame trying to develop depth. But, you know, it, 
in terms of everything else, you know, they, they're already going and got things going in the 2024 class. Um, you know, Notre Dame has the highest average star rating of commits in the 2023 class. And I, I think there's a, a lot of great things here with the, the way this is trending. Obviously, Notre Dame's been to some playoffs and they weren't irrelevant before Marcus Freeman took over there. I mean, Brian Kelly did a very good job. But from a recruiting standpoint, it's felt like Ohio State could do what it wanted in the in the Midwest for basically since Jim Tressel showed up. And Ryan Day has almost emphasized the idea of we want to lock down our state first and get some of these top 100 kids who live in our backyard and then we'll build around those guys. And it felt like last summer there was an opportunity, even before Marcus Freeman took over as the head coach, where it felt like guys like Luke Montgomery and Sonny Styles before he reclassifies to the 2022 class and Josh Padilla and on down the list. We weren't sure whether or not Marcus, the Marcus Freeman effect was going to take off. Obviously, they ended up getting Brennan Vernon. So you get one of the top four players in Ohio. Have you seen that shift in momentum not necessarily in 2023 because Ohio State was able to do what it did and lock those guys down. But have you seen that emphasis for Marcus Freeman be put on not just the Midwest, but on Ohio specifically and maybe breaking up and breaking down some of those walls that Ohio State has successfully put up over the last two decades? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I thought that Ohio or Notre Dame really had a chance to go into Ohio and get some of these guys. And I think the perfect example was in the 2023 class with uh, Austin Saravelle, who committed, I think it was last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a guy that um, Notre Dame make the, made the decision way harder than um, you know he ever ever expected, and you know he ended up staying closer to home and picking uh, Ohio State in the end. I know he uh, told uh, our rivals, uh, Zach Carpenter, who covers Ohio State. I'm sure you've heard the same that you know he he feels you know more comfortable at Ohio State than at home. So. That, that was a really interesting recruitment there. And I think that, you know, Notre Dame made things really difficult on him. And it, with the 2024 class, you know, I think it, it's kind of too too hard to tell. It's a little bit early yet. Um, but you know, Marcus Freeman, I, I mean, Notre Dame has taken a, a national recruiting approach. This is, you know, they've it's pretty much been outlined this week. They've been on the road uh, all across the country. I know they're actually in uh, Cleveland today recruiting some guys. But, um, you know, they offered um, uh, Bryce West from Glenville, a 2024 cornerback who I know Ohio State is obviously really high on. So, I mean, Glenville has obviously been a uh, Ohio State pipeline uh, throughout the years. And I know it's been a couple of years since Ohio State's been able to kind of tap into that, t- uh, that pipeline. But, I mean, Marcus Freeman's taken his swing on those sorts of guys. You know, Bryce West, kid that – you know, it seems like everyone feels like it's going to go to Ohio State, but, you know, Marcus Freeman's going to take his shot, and I think that he's going to continue to do that, you know, as these uh, classes really shape up. We see that often. The, the top 100, top 200, top 300 Ohio guy gets the Ohio State offer, and then everybody wants to throw their crystal balls at Ohio State and say, oh, it's only a matter of time. With Obviously, you said it's too early with Bryce West, which, yeah, you're right. He's, it's a 2024 kid, and this might take some time. But with a guy like Austin Sierveld, you said it yourself that, that Notre Dame made that a lot harder than maybe most of us thought it would have been. Was there a point where it felt like Notre Dame would actually pull this off? Yeah, I, I thought that coming off his uh, second Notre Dame visit, which took place in April, 
Um, I talked to some people close to Austin and Austin himself, and they really liked Notre Dame. And I think that, you know, right around that time is when Notre Dame began to get, you know, really serious consideration. Um, that was also the same time uh, on that visit they got to meet uh, Harry Heastan, Notre Dame's offensive line coach. And I know uh, the Cerevelds, their family was blown away by Coach Heastan. And it, a lot of people did not know where Austin Cerevel was going to uh, going to choose. I, I know that when he announced his commitment date and talking to people from both Ohio State and Notre Dame that day, not, no one knew where Saraval was going to pick. But mm -hmm. I don't think it was really a surprise that in the end he chose Ohio State. But, um, you know, Notre Dame was definitely in uh, legitimate consideration. Uh, you know, I, I know coming off that Ohio State visit, the Buckeyes were just kind of joking with him, like, hey, don't, you know, don't go to Notre Dame. Like, you know, the 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 best guys you know best guys in Ohio stay in Ohio to play and they were kind of joking with him you know like telling him not to go to that Notre Dame visit but even though there was a little joke there were there was some seriousness in that as well because I know Ohio State was a little bit concerned that he could end up uh, at Notre Dame so there was definitely a possibility that he, he ended up with the Irish but um, obviously he, he just felt more comfortable playing closer to home and playing for a team he grew up rooting. You brought up the fact that Marcus Freeman is recruiting nationally, and you mentioned Keon Keeley by name. Um, Keon Keeley, when he committed last summer, was not the number nine player in the country, five-star recruit. Now, he was clearly headed on his way there, but it seemed like Notre Dame got in on that early before the rest of the world kind of figured out what he was. And since then, he's risen up the rankings, and he's taken visits. He's obviously been to Ohio State. He's been to some other campuses as well. How firm, I guess, is that commitment right now? And is Notre Dame at all worried that this summer Keon's going to start taking official visits to some other places and that maybe isn't as strong as it was maybe even six months ago? So I think there was absolutely some concern this spring when mm -hmm. Keon, had, or it probably going back to the winter, uh, when Keon started visiting schools, I know he saw Alabama, Florida, and then Ohio State was able to get him up on campus. And there, there's definitely been some concern, but um, I think within the last couple of weeks, Notre Dame's started to feel a lot better about Keon Keeley. He came up uh, for the spring game, and before the game, he was on the field, and he was signing autographs uh, with fans and going up to the stands, and he was having a great time. Uh, and when he came down from the stands onto the field, uh, there were a group of reporters there, and you know, just walking by us. I don't know if this was intentional or not, but he, he said that, you know, he's never felt this way before. So I think that for Notre Dame, you know, that that visit really kind of solidified some things. But for Keon Keeley with a guy this caliber, you know, with teams uh, of the caliber such as Alabama and Ohio State coming after him, I don't think they're gonna really going to feel good about him unless he tweets out that, he 100% is, you know, locked in and shutting mm -hmm. things down completely. And, you know, furthermore, until he signs in December. So I had this recruitment. I mean, although Notre Dame is in a great spot, they continue to feel like they're in a great spot. Other teams are, aren't going to stop recruiting him. And, and that's, you know, been the case so far. Um, in, in terms of uh, official visits, we have not heard if Keon Keeley has set up any official visits. I believe, you know, just looking at the unofficials that he's taken so far that 
you know, those are going to be in consideration. Um, but as of right now, Notre Dame feels great about Keon Keeley, and I think that's going to continue to remain the case unless things start trending in another direction. And now Washington's heading up that recruitment since he showed up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so oh. uh, he, he coach, coach Washington, obviously the linebackers coach for Ohio State now uh, at defensive line, so he's played a big role for, with Keon now. What's been his impact since he showed up? Because from an Ohio State's perspective, I think he did a good job recruiting at Ohio State, but it came with the caveat of, well, everybody he got was in state. You know, Reed yeah. Carrico, C.J. Hicks, uh, Gay Powers, even when Desan McCullough was still an Ohio State commit. That's a guy with strong Ohio ties. It didn't feel like he was getting guys that wouldn't have come to Ohio State regardless of who the position coach was. So ha have now that he's not necessarily in his own backyard as an Ohio native, what type of recruiting impact have you seen him be able to have past just a guy like Keon Keeley? Yeah, I've actually been really impressed. And this was something I was a little bit concerned about when Al Washington uh, joined the Notre Dame staff is I was a little bit worried, you know, would he be able to get some of the top guys around the country? Because as you pointed out, he really wasn't doing that at Ohio State. A lot of the guys that Al Washington was able to get were, were those in-state kids, you know, some mm -hmm. kids that ironically Notre Dame was targeting as well. But uh, since coming to Notre Dame, he has uh, landed three defensive line commits, you know, some pretty talented ones as well. Um, they landed uh, two interior guys uh, within the last couple weeks in uh, Bubakar Traore and uh, Devin Houston, who are both high four-star uh, rated guys and I think are going to be really talented players. And obviously Keon Keeley and Brennan Vernon, the two other defensive line commits in the uh, 2023 class. They've remained really firm on their pledge. Uh, Brennan Vernon has not shown absolutely any indication that he's interested in going elsewhere. And so, you know, Coach Washington has really been able to, uh, you know, not only keep those guys uh, in the class, but he's also had some great ones as well. And when I really started to feel great about um, – L. Washington was after the spring game when there was a 2024 kid by the name of uh, Brendan Davis Swain from uh, Michigan that uh, kind of made a, a surprise, unexpected visit. The only reason he was visiting was because he was going to be in Indianapolis on Sunday. So he just happened to stop at Notre Dame on Saturday. He's a kid that is got five-star potential. He's, he's a really great talent. And after his time spent in L. Washington's office, and talking to him, he committed to Notre Dame on the spot. And that commitment was 100% fueled by Al Washington and no one else. So, um, you know, I, I've been really impressed with what he's been able to do, keeping the guys in the class and also adding some um, other ones as well. And I think that there's even going to be a potential for some more uh, top-end recruits to, that are defensive linemen to choose Notre Dame because of the relationships with Al Washington. So. Oh. Obviously, just looking at Notre Dame's commitment list and then the way we're talking about uh, Washington and we're talking about Marcus Freeman, those are defensive guys. You know, Notre Dame's head coach is a defensive guy. Is it a fair thing to say that the defensive recruiting for Notre Dame has come easy because the guy in charge of it just is still the guy there technically, while the offensive recruiting has maybe needed to take a little bit of time? Yeah, so, I mean – some of these guys were already committed uh, before mm -hmm. Marcus Freeman was elevated as head coach, which in turn, Marcus Freeman was the, the defensive coordinator. So he landed some of those guys, but 
with the offensive recruiting, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a factor of, you know, Marcus Freeman being a, a defensive minded head coach. Um, and the reason I say that is because, you know, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, he's been at Notre Dame for, I think, five years now. He's been the offensive coordinator for, uh, I believe this will be his third season. So Tommy Reese has been there. And the way Marcus Freeman has kind of structured his coaching staff is, you know, he's the, the CEO now. They hired Al Golden, you know, a former head coach at Miami and Temple. And, you know, Coach Golden was in the NFL, uh, most recently with the Bengals as a linebackers coach. And, you know, Marcus Freeman brought him in uh, with the, the mindset that Golden is – his fingerprints are on that defense. That defense that Notre Dame is going to run, that's Al Golden's defense. And then as far as the offense, Tommy Reese – um, that's his offense. The, the guys that they hired, um, Dylan McCullough, the running backs coach uh, who came from Indiana, and then Chancey Stuckey, who came from Baylor. Uh, Tommy Reese basically made both of those hires. He picked both of those guys. And, you know, obviously Coach Freeman had to, to sign off on those hires, but um, Tommy Reese is really taking control of the offense. And even though things have kind of been a little bit slower on the offensive side, I mean, I believe they only have, uh, three offensive commits, in, or actually four out of their uh, 12 commits in the class are on offense. Um, you know, I, I also think a little bit uh, the reason why it's taken longer on offense is because they don't have their quarterback commit. And uh, they've zeroed in on one guy, and that's Dante Moore, the five-star that I know Ohio State has offered and is recruiting as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, for Marcus Freeman, you know, obviously he's the guy, but I wouldn't necessarily say because he's a defensive-minded guy, which is what, you know, the the reason why Ohio or Notre Dame has not been able to add uh, a lot of offensive guys to this point. So let's let's get into that since you brought up Dante Moore. Great segue. You're already better at this than Doug and Nathan are. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> uh, obviously, Dante Moore, five-star quarterback, number three quarterback, number five player in the country a guy with Cleveland ties and typically a guy like that, even if he's living in Michigan territory would sound like somebody Ohio state should be able to go get, but also Ohio state has a Heisman trophy finalist coming back. They've got a five-star sitting behind them a top 60 recruit sitting behind them. And then now a five-star sitting in the 2024 class, which puts Ohio state's 2023 situation in a bit of a pickle. Has Notre Dame taken advantage of that with Dante Moore and the fact that this seems like a guy who, might be able to come in and compete to win the starting job right away at Notre Dame while at Ohio State, he might have to sit two or three years. Yeah, so, I mean, it's really interesting with the the teams Dante Moore is considering. Um, you know, he hasn't come out and made a uh, public uh, top schools list, but, you know, teams like Notre Dame, LSU, uh, Oregon. And, you know, he, he even spoke extremely highly of Ohio State when I saw him at the Elite 11 in uh, early April after coming off his – Ohio State visit, um, but, you know, with the caliber of quarterback Dante Moore is, and, you know, he, he is very talented at being able to watch him play, you know, I think he is going to want a school where he can show up to campus and compete for the job day one, and you kind of outlined it at Ohio State. It's extremely competitive there. I mean, at, at Notre Dame, they pretty much uh, – you know, had a quarterback competition coming into the spring with uh, between Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine. Um, and now it, coming out of the spring, you know, unfortunately Buckner wasn't able to play in the spring game, but it just, the feeling I think is that 
you know, Buckner is most likely going to be the starting quarterback uh, in September at Ohio Stadium. Um, but, you know, I think that Notre Dame, I, I have not heard that they're using, uh, you know, like the come in and play pitch to him uh, mm-hmm. to their advantage. Uh, but I, I certainly just kind of looking at it as, as uh, you know, someone I, on neither side between Dante or Notre Dame that, I mean, how could you not find that as an attractive option to, you know, really come into Notre Dame where, you know, Tyler Buckner, he's, you know, certainly a good quarterback with a lot of potential and, you know, he's going to have a great opportunity to lead that offense this year. But, you know, I, I don't think that, Dante Moore coming to campus, uh, Notre Dame, you know, I think he'll have an opportunity to uh, compete for the job. Whereas, you know, other schools such as, you know, Ohio State, for example, uh, you know, he would maybe have to wait a a year or two. How much time has Dante spent on Notre Dame's campus over the last six months here? Obviously, he took officials to LSU and in Oregon in April. Um, How much time has he spent on Notre Dame's campus just from an unofficial standpoint? Yes, yeah, so uh, he's been up a, a couple times uh, over the last year, but as far as the last six months, his most notable visit was a two-day unofficial um, at the end of March. Uh, his high school, Martin Luther King, was on spring break that week, mm-hmm. so it ended up working out where he was able to take two days um, at Notre Dame, and it's because they asked him to uh, visit for two days. Ironically, uh, Dante Moore actually told reporters at the Elite 11 that he brought up Ohio State, for example, that if Ohio State asked him to visit for two days, that he would actually consider visiting for, for two days. But, um, you know, the Ohio, Ohio State just had him on campus uh, for April 2nd. I think it, it was that weekend, ironically. But, mm-hmm. you know, Dante Moore uh, was at the uh, Cincinnati game, uh, Notre Dame-Cincinnati game in early October. And then, you know, like I said, he, he spent those two days um, unofficially at Notre Dame. And some of his reasoning behind it was, you know, he just wanted the opportunity to s- spend a night there in South Bend and be able to wake up. And his dad used a saying of, you know, wake up and see how the sun shines on the Golden Dome. And, uh, you know, they, they just really wanted the opportunity to spend a, a full two days at Notre Dame and get that experience and, and feel what it's like to be on campus. And, you know, a quote unquote member of the program, so to speak. And, and, you know, although Notre Dame asked him to visit for two days, I think that really spoke to the type of look that he's giving to Notre Dame. I think he really is uh, seriously considering them. You know, his dad told me uh, that they are a high level option and he's kind of echoed that as well. So um, yeah, Dante has been to campus uh, once in March and I know Notre Dame is really hoping to get him on campus for an official visit uh, sometime in June. And, you know, Dante himself said that, you know, he will use one of his five official visits to Notre Dame. It's just a matter of knocking down a date. So from an Ohio State perspective, when it comes to how they handle their official visits in June, I think at this point, everybody knows there's always a weekend where that's the big party weekend you know obviously there are people there every weekend but we've had the Buckeye Bash you've had the Buckeye Bash 2.0 the June 24th weekend is turning up to be whatever they want to call it this year they haven't come up with a name but there's always that weekend when you know it's going to be five star galore walking around here and there might be a lot of quote-unquote booms that come out of that weekend how does Notre Dame want to approach their official visits do they want to 
you know, are they going to take the Ohio State approach where it's we want to do the bulk of this in the summertime where we can focus solely on that? Or do they want to have people coming on game day visits? Do they has that kind of vibe been shared at all, like how they want to handle official visits? Yeah, so Notre Dame has pointed all of their guys uh, to one weekend in June. It's uh, the weekend of June 10th to the um, yeah June 10th through the 12th, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend. And I, I'm not sure is is Ohio State also looking at that weekend, or are they early or later in June this year? No, the, those theirs will be June 24th. That'll be their okay, bigger yeah. their biggest one of the summer. Right. So that's what I thought. So Notre Dame, um, I don't know if they, they intentionally did it this way, but um, <laughs> they're looking at that weekend uh, to bring all the top guys on campus. Um, Notre Dame has all the commits coming to campus that weekend and basically all the top targets as well. I, the only top target that I know for Notre Dame that won't be able to come that weekend is a guy by the name of Jaden Greathouse, uh, uh, top 100 wide receiver out of Texas. But yeah, the Notre Dame's going to have all the commits on campus, um, a couple of high profile targets as well, uh, such as uh, Christian Gray, who I know Notre Dame's targeting. Um, he'll be on campus. Uh, I know Notre Dame is also hoping to get uh, Jason Moore on campus for that weekend, uh, who's a uh, high profile defensive lineman. So yeah, uh, with officials, I mean, and Notre Dame has never said like, Hey, yeah, you know, you can't come, you know, on so-and-so date. Whereas I know, you know, Clemson, for example, I'm pretty sure they only allow kids to officially visit on game days. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if, if there was a, a kid that wanted to visit on a game day, Notre Dame would certainly, um, you know, be open to that or, you know, at some other point in the summer. But Notre Dame has really uh, pointed all the kids to that weekend. You brought up Christian Gray. That's another guy Ohio State is very high on right outside the top 100. Uh, not necessarily with a Christian Gray question, but just more of from a national standpoint, what states, from your opinion, do you feel like Notre Dame has started to really have success in, even if it hasn't necessarily turned into commitments yet? Where have you seen Marcus Freeman start to make his imprint around the country and other areas? I think the one that's been pretty impressive so far is Texas. Notre Dame has uh, two commits from the state in the class, and um, I know they're going to be targeting uh, a couple of others. Uh, you know, I mentioned Jaden Greathouse, who is a, a wide receiver from Texas. Um, that's a, a guy that's a high priority guy for Notre Dame. And they also have another receiver committed from Texas and Braylon James, mm-hmm. uh, a kid that I think Ohio State's offered. But I think yeah. with Brian Hartline, uh, he kind of is able to pick and choose his guys at this rate. So I, I'm not exactly sure how, how, um, Hi, Braylon James was on Ohio State's board, but he ended up choosing uh, Notre Dame. So I, I think Texas has been the one that is uh, really impressive. And another one is uh, Massachusetts. Notre Dame has been able to land uh, Preston Zinner and Bubakar Traore from there. And I know that, you know, this is a state that they're ironically going to try to take advantage of, or a region rather, with uh, Al Golden, um, who kind of comes from that area. So they're going to hit that area pretty hard. But um, North Carolina is another state that Notre Dame is looking to uh, kind of tap into. They have one offensive lineman committed already, and they're looking to get another one hopefully by the end of the week. And that's a state that the coaches have, have really spent a lot of time in. Um, and, you know, kind of the same token there, Monroe Freeling, who's from South Carolina, 
you know, that that's another player that they're really highly targeting. So kind of combining the, the Carolinas together, um, Texas, uh, and, and some of those states out on the, the East Coast, I, I think that Notre Dame is really trying to take advantage of, you know, just furthering that thought a little bit. You know, they have a guy committed from New Jersey, um, also another guy committed from Maryland, who's ironically originally from Canada. But um, those are some of the states I think that Marcus Freeman's been able to be successful in so far and some of the states that they're uh, trying to continue to hit. A couple more individual players I want to get into before I let you go here. First, let's start with the offensive line. Since you brought up Massachusetts, which just so happens to have a five-star offensive tackle in it, uh, in Samson, Okunlola, and then obviously you know, not too far down the road, you've got Chase Basantis, you brought up Monroe Freeling. These are all guys that Ohio State is in on as well. Um, if you had to think of an order of priority for Notre Dame on where those three fall on it, how would you rank them? And what do you think their chances are with each of those guys as we head into the summer? Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously all three of those guys are super talented, but just kind of thinking things with Notre Dame, um, and I think this is the case with a lot of the top teams in the country is Samson Okunlola, um has really caught a lot of teams' eyes. And I know it's been frustrating for some teams that they haven't been able to get them up on the campus. And that's been mm-hmm. the case with Notre Dame. I know that's been the case at Ohio State, although um, I, I do know that he is considering an official visit to Ohio State. I'm not yes. sure if he's locked that date in yet. But um, so I think that's a guy that Notre Dame really wants. But there really just have not been a whole lot of traction there. And I, I think that it, because of that, Notre Dame has moved on to some other targets. They just had a guy by Sam, the name of Sam Pendleton commit, um, who he's kind of a versatile guy uh, last week, who's a, a little bit lower of a four-star, but still a rivals 250 guy. And then they're hoping to, to get a, another four-star committed in the class and who's a tackle on Sullivan Apsher on Friday. So that kind of tells me that they really have not had a, a lot of luck with um, Samson Okunlola, but um, I think he would be the, the top want, so to speak. And I think not too far behind him is probably Monroe Freeling. And, and the rankings there, I believe that they're right, you know, basically 1A, 1B sort of thing, at least in the rivals rankings. And I, I believe Notre Dame kind of views them as well. Um, you know, Freeling's another super talented guy that is probably going to project as a uh, true tackle. Uh, at Notre Dame. And um, I think they feel like they're in a great spot with him. I know Ohio State recently offered him uh, a couple months ago, but I would probably put Chase Bizantis last at this rate. Um, you know, he dropped a, I think it was a top eight uh, at the beginning of April. And Notre Dame was actually uh, surprisingly not in the mix for him in that top eight. I think that kind of surprised uh, a lot of people, um, being that, you know, Chase Bizantis, uh, Don Bosco Prep. Uh, I think that's in New Jersey there, uh, mm-hmm. certainly on the East Coast. But, um, yeah, so I think a lot of people were surprised he didn't choose uh, Notre Dame in that top schools list. And it looks like he's kind of really taken the national approach to his recruitment with the type of profile player he is. I know he's been to Georgia and Miami recently. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the the order I would rank Notre Dame um, for the those guys with Notre Dame. But I think that Monroe Freeling is probably their their most likely option at this point. So one more guy, I think this one is probably the most interesting one because a lot has changed over the last eight months. <laughs> well, really almost over the last year. I think initially when Carnell Tate set that commitment date for October 8th, 
it was an Ohio State Notre Dame race and who was going to win that battle as a kid who, yes, he's at IMG, but he's from Chicago. Um, he knows Caleb Brown very well, which you've talked to back when you were still working with us. And obviously a lot has changed since then in terms of who is involved in this race. Obviously, Tennessee getting an official visit in April and basically becoming a, a real player in this for reasons that we don't need to get into on this pod and LSU getting involved in this and Bama and on down the list. I know from Ohio State's perspective, they still feel good about where they are with Cardinal Tate. And all this is great, but they still feel like they have a real shot, especially if he takes an official visit this summer, coming off that unofficial in April. Does Notre Dame still feel like they're in that race? And I mean that from both a, from his perspective, does he still view them as one of his top suitors? But also has Notre Dame as you talked about with Samson Okunlola, where they just kind of moved on the other options, does Notre Dame feel like they're still in this race and still need to be putting resources towards it? So as far as, uh, you know, Carnell Tate, um, you know, publicly he has announced, you know, he put a top five um, mm -hmm. at, at the end of March and he had Notre Dame as one of those teams. Um, ironically, he released that top five on his most recent Notre Dame visit. I think it yeah. was that Tuesday before, uh, St. Patrick's Day, like March 15th, I think. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, he was really considering Notre Dame to that point. But similarly to, to Ohio State, I think that Notre Dame's at, at the point where he's been to campus six or seven times. And it, it's gotten to the point of like, you know, we've – speaking from Notre Dame's perspective where they've really showed him pretty much everything and they've kind of maxed out, you know, in terms of the resources – uh, you know, what can they, uh, you know, what else can they show him? How else can they recruit him? What, what more of a pitch can they make to him? Uh, you know, obviously he's one of the most uh, talented players in the country, regardless of position and teams are really recruiting him that way. But I, I really think that over the last month here, this is kind of shaped up to be an Ohio state, Tennessee battle. And, you know, even before uh, the Tennessee official visit before they got, uh, Nico from uh, California. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, last name, but <laughs> everyone knows him. I am Aleva, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I, I've heard I am Aleva. I've heard a bunch of other variations as well. Yeah. But, you know, Carnell Tate was considering Tennessee, you know, before they, you know, really kind of sparked that you know, potentially high level deal of NIL. And I know NIL has been in the conversation, but. You know, a lot of schools, you know, there's NIL opportunities. So um, I, I think this has really become an Ohio State-Tennessee race. And, and in terms of Notre Dame, I know they were down in his school in January. Um, IMG, obviously, you know, spending some time there. But it's almost like a, a situation where they've they've pretty much put all they, they could into this. You know, um, I, I don't believe Carnell Tate's going to officially visit Notre Dame. Uh I, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case at Notre Dame as well, or excuse me, as at Ohio State as well, where it's pretty much his scene everywhere he he's needed to see. And now it just simply is going to have to come down to, you know, when is he going to make a decision? How has NIL impacted Notre Dame from a recruiting standpoint? So I, I think that, um, you know, from the outside looking in, uh, a lot of people don't think that Notre Dame has been a heavy player at uh, as far as NIL. And I know that in talking to, to some recruits that, you know, they, they Notre Dame is a little bit behind the curve 
Uh, but that was, you know, a couple months ago. And I think now uh, within the, the, you know, basically in April and May, they've really made a strong push um, with NIL. I, you know, former quarterback Brady Quinn uh, helped uh, set up a uh, collective with Notre Dame. Uh, so that's going to be playing a, a big role moving forward. And, you know, ironically, people, uh, you know, the feeling is that, you know, like I mentioned, Notre Dame isn't really much of a, a player in this space as, you, you know, um, I guess some may, may have thought, but uh, recently, you know, there's been a lot of uh, fam- Michigan fans uh, who, mm-hmm. who have kind of claimed that the reason Notre Dame has been able to get a lot of these guys is because they're uh, the lucrative opportunities behind NIL. So um, it, from what I heard, this is not something that Notre Dame is pitching to, to recruits that, uh, whereas, you know, some of those schools in the SEC that, uh, you know, they may have opportunities to, to play for the, the big bucks and, you know, they could certainly poss- you know, possibly be pitching it that way. But I don't think Notre Dame's approach is to sell kids on NIL and use that as a recruiting tool uh, to come to Notre Dame. I think more so it, it's an opportunity that once they're uh, committed to Notre Dame, this is the amount of resources that you're going to have at your disposal and, you know, if you use them, it could be very profitable, profitable. Kind of lastly here, because the whole point of why we're doing this is because these two teams play each other first. What, in your opinion, from a recruiting standpoint, if Notre Dame comes into Columbus on September 3rd and wins that game and you combine it with what Notre Dame is already doing on the recruiting trail, what can that do for this for that program as it tries to Marcus Freeman is kind of not so subtly throwing some jabs at Ohio state already, what can a win like that do for that program from a recruit on the recruiting trail? I think it has a potential to be really big. Uh, the one knock on Brian Kelly who left Notre Dame as the all times, you know, win, wins leader with the program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he obviously took them to a college football playoff, uh, you know, BCS championship. There's uh, a lot of success during the Brian Kelly era. But the one big knock on him was that he could not win big games. And the Notre Dame kind of not necessarily erased that mantra at all, but uh, back during the COVID year, they beat Clemson at home in a really high-profile game when Trevor Lawrence was still there, except Trevor Lawrence wasn't the starting quarterback. That Mm -hmm. was, uh, you know, DJ Ungalale, I believe you say it. Uh, Some tricky names today, but – you know, he uh, went in there, and I think he probably honestly had his best game of his college career so far. He threw for, like, 400 yards, but Notre Dame was able to win that game. Uh, but aside from that one, just off the top of my head, you know, there's been not a lot of high-profile games that Notre Dame has won under Brian Kelly. And I think that, you know, another example of that was uh, the Fiesta Bowl uh, against Ohio State where the Buckeyes dominated in that game. Uh, you know, Notre Dame – uh, Marcus Freeman's first game, obviously some really unique circumstances where he was only on the job for so long uh, with that Fiesta Bowl. They came out strong in the first half, but you know, really fell flat in the second. Oklahoma State won that game. So, uh, and kind of summarizing all of this together, if Marcus Freeman can go into Columbus and beat Ohio State week one, and I've seen some betting lines, some as high, have Ohio State as high as almost a, a two two possession, two touchdown favorite, I think that'd be just absolutely monumental. You know, Notre Dame has 
pitcher recruits that, you know, they're one of the top teams in this space. And I think that, you know, recruits have told me they believe Notre Dame is one of the best teams in college football, but, you know, on the biggest stage, they have not been able to get it done. So if Notre Dame can go out there and prove that they can beat a, a team like Ohio State on the road week one uh, with a new starting quarterback and all those other factors that are going to come into play, I think it has the potential to, to help, uh, you know, add, add some momentum there on the recruiting trail. And last two things here. I know you guys are your forecast, so I'm not going to have you guys, have you put names on who they're going to be. I want you to give me how many more commits does Notre Dame add in a class that already has 12 and is currently ranked at number one in the country? And where do they actually finish in the rankings right now on what is it? May 11th at right. 4:11 when we're recording this, where does Kyle Kelly think Notre Dame finishes in the rankings? Well, in terms of the, the commits, I would probably have to really break this down by position to, to mm -hmm. get a good feel, but I feel like they're, you know, wrapped up at linebacker defensive line. They're heading in that direction as well. Uh, running back, they're only looking to add one more in the class. Uh, so I have a feeling they'll the the one thing with Notre Dame right now is uh, they are have the potential to run into a scholarship issue. I think they're over eighty five right now, and they're going to have some work to do to figure out how to kind of trim that down heading into to football season. So um, it'll be interesting with the kind of um, addition subtraction after this class, but. I think Ohio or Notre Dame is going to like itself right around like that 23 number, give or take. Um, and in terms of the recruiting rankings, I think it's all really dependent on Dante Moore. If Dante Moore commits to Notre Dame, uh, not only is that five-star profile in terms of the math really going to help Notre Dame, but I think it's really going to help them in the recruiting space as well. Um, you know, just for example, with Carnell Tate, um, you know, we mentioned that, you know, Ohio State and Tennessee is probably the two teams that look like um, that are in the lead for him. And that kind of seems like the race. But if Notre Dame gets Dante Moore before Carnell Tate commits. I think that they'll give Carnell Tate a, a lot to think about. And, you know, Dante Moore, one thing he's done a lot on a lot of these visits and on the seven on seven circuit is, you know, build a lot of relationships. And I think that his commitment could really play a big part in adding players to the class. But the thing is with Dante Moore is he's taken a lot longer than what Notre Dame would have liked and would have mm -hmm. hoped for to commit. So this could be a situation where he doesn't get into the class as potentially as late August. So I think the team ranking is really going to be dependent on uh, Dante Moore. And honestly, if Notre Dame gets him, I think they have a chance to be top three in those rankings with uh, a, de a really decent shot at getting that top overall class. Now I know Alabama, you know, they always kind of come on strong uh, late in the process. Texas A&M is a school to kind of keep an eye out um, at the, you know, recently, but I mean, look at Ohio state, they've really come on strong within the last month and have the uh, number three class um, by the rivals rankings. And, you know, I, I know that, I believe Ohio State, they don't even have a five-star yet, right? They do not. Luke Montgomery so, and Ty Lockwood are their only top 100 recruits right now. Exactly. So, I mean, Notre Dame, like I kind of mentioned earlier on, they have the uh, top uh, average star rating at 4.08. It's a very slim margin. But uh, Bama, Auburn, LSU, Clemson, L and uh, USC 
are right behind them with an average star rating of four. So it's going to be really tough for Notre Dame to hold that top ranking in the class. Um, but, you know, I think that if Dante Moore comes, you know, it, they really have a chance to, to finish in the top three. But even if they don't get him, I think they're a lot to be top ten and potentially right around that top five area where they finished last year. So maybe that's a better question. Since you've covered both, so you'd be perfect to ask this, who finishes higher, Ohio State or Notre Dame? Oh, man. This is a tough one. Uh, yeah, but, that's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I kind of mentioned, the average star ratings, um, Notre Dame has, you know, a little bit over a four-star, and Ohio State's a little bit under a, a four with a 3.8 with the arrivals metrics. So right now, Notre Dame holds that lead, and they have the, the similar number of commitments. But until I see Notre Dame put on paper that they can do it, I'm just going to have to give the slight edge to Ohio State at this time. And it, it kind of irks me a little bit to, to give that prediction, but I just, you know, in covering Ohio State for a year and a half um, and talking to those kids and reading up and following your coverage and everyone else's, uh, I think that there's a lot of strong vibes around that Buckeyes program. And, you know, they, they get an outstanding commit this week in the 2024 class and Dylan Riola. And it's just like, you know, it's kind of the machine. Ohio State is the machine, and Notre Dame is trying to become the machine. But I don't think they're necessarily there yet. But, boy, this 23 class definitely has the opportunity to do that. But until I can see it on paper, I'm going to give Ohio State the edge. But Notre Dame is going to really make things difficult. You heard it here first. Dante Moore is the most important target for Notre Dame in 2023. Kyle, this is your first book I talk, man. Did you have fun? Did you like it? Yeah, uh, I certainly did. It, it's kind of unique uh, because I, I spent so much time listening to Buckeye Talk <laughs> back in the day. I love the the recruiting uh, additions, which I remember a couple of months ago, it, there was like a, like Futures Fridays, but then the Future yeah. Fridays ended up being on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just, I know that's the way things kind of shake out sometimes. But uh, yeah, it was... Uh, I, it's going to be really uh, cool, I guess, when I listen back to this to hear the uh, theme song and then hear my voice after it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this has uh, been a lot of fun. And I, I think that Notre Dame is going to make this uh, recruiting, uh, you know, in terms of the, with the against Ohio State, highly competitive and hopefully highly competitive on the football field as well this fall. Yeah, this one's coming out on Thursday. I'm not sure what we can call that one. Throwback, I don't know. Throwback Thursday, something. We'll we'll figure it out when we get to that point. This was really great. Like once again, just Kyle Kelly. He used to work for us. Now he works for the Rivals Notre Dame site, Inside Indy Sports. Sports, I think is what it's called. You can go check him out at Kyle Kelly. Is that correct? That's your Twitter at Kyle Kelly. So by Kyle Kelly, actually. At by, yeah, by okay. Kyle Kelly. Oh, you're one of those journalists. Oh, yeah, my God. I am. <laughs> at by, by Kyle Kelly is where you can follow him on Twitter and you can read all his stuff. So if you want to know how Notre Dame is messing up Ohio State's recruiting strategy, that and more. Once again, Kyle Kelly, Stephen Means. And that was Buckeye Talk.